Welcome to the latest episode of EG Like Sunday Morning. I'm here with two of EG's very brightest stars, editor Sam McClary and Office's reporter Alex Daniel. How are you both this week? Very well. Bright. Good. Sparkly. <laughs> Alex, you're, you seem quiet. Fine, thank you. Not too bad. That's good to hear. Now, regular followers may recall that Sam and Alex appeared together just two weeks ago uh, to talk about the Marble Arch Mound. And, and now with Alex on his third EG LSM tour of duty in a row, it may well be that we return to that happy topic a little bit later on. But first, alas, an even bleaker subject, uh, climate change. Now, Sam, we may not have a print edition this week, but your editorial leader is every bit as much a must read as it always is as you tackle the headline points of the IPCC's latest report on climate change. So how bad is it? Thank you, Jess, very kind of you to say. I, well, um, disclaimer, I have not yet read all 3,994 <laughs> pages of the of the report, um, but you don't have to go very far to um, be upset, frightened, um, annoyed, angry, all of those sort of things about the state that the planet is in and the state that we, us three here and everyone else on the planet has put it in and uh you know i'm sure everyone has seen seen all their all the headlines you know that we are doomed i suppose um you know we're not going to be able to reverse the damage done and at the moment we're not slowing slowing the damage enough but i guess this week i looked a little bit into where who should shoulder the responsibility i suppose mm. i think real estate is is doing as good a job as it can on trying to set out how it can do its bit in in you know developing green buildings um utilizing renewable en energy um however we solve the embodied carbon problem and yes there's a, a lot of greenwashing out there there's a lot of um commitments to be net zero by 2030 or 2050 or 2040 whatever year they put on put on it a lot there is still a lot of offsetting going on which is mm. not at all good enough and so real estate does need to do much much better and be really honest with itself about what it's what it's capable of of doing and not claim to be net zero when it's offsetting because that is in my humble opinion uh not uh net zero we should just be zero carbon anyway um but you know looking through the report there is very little mention of the role of real estate or the built environment mm. or property where where the blame lies is with humans you know much of this has been caused by our behaviors and and yes our behaviors are reflected in the in the built environment but it's it's no use um the real estate industry building a green building or stripping as much of the carbon out of a existing building that they can if we then go into it use the lifts keep our computers on all the time you know we're we're getting to our buildings by using by driving or using non-green public transport you know all of all of those things can have a have an impact and i was i was actually talking with someone about this um during the the week about the the role of the individual and they were talking um with two hats on one of as them as an individual and the influence that they could have on people around them 
And they said that was actually really a really weak influence. But the role that they had as a leader in a corporate business to change the actions of people within their business was much, much greater. So so maybe there's a a call here to corporates to change people's behavior rather than just change the fabric of the built in environment we need to start making sure that you know when we talk about supply chain we mean individual people people within our businesses i suppose one of the major concerns would be when when you have headlines like we're doomed and people are told there's nothing we can do it, it almost takes away the incentive to do anything rather than rather than inspiring them to do and that obviously could exacerbate the problems that we face yeah true yes um so turning from one environmental disaster to another um alex uh, this week you, you have been speaking to experts on where things went wrong for the aforementioned mound and what public realm lessons have you learned well yeah i mean in, in slightly more entertaining news I <laughs> yeah let's bring um, it up a little bit the yeah i mean obviously we've spoken about the marble arch mound uh, we've kind of done it to death on this podcast before but i decided that um now was the time to um completely uh kill it off editorially by speaking to yeah uh, james saunders at quintain uh, they are the people who are developing um the uh, who are doing a big regeneration scheme around wembley park and that includes uh, a hell of a lot of public realm around Wembley Stadium, including sort of reworking the the Wembley Way um, ramp into um, basically some a, a load of kind of giant stairs and events event space slash kind of piazza at the bottom. And I also spoke to um, Adam Scott, who's an architect uh, with Free State, um, who has spoken about public realm quite a lot on EG podcasts before with Sam. Um, so uh, they, uh, it's important to kind of caveat this with the fact that they both agreed that Westminster's long-term plans for Oxford Street actually seem pretty sensible. Um, the idea of turning Oxford Circus Junction into a kind of park pedestrianised uh, two piazzas on either side um, seems like something that will actually create long-term benefits for the area. Um, and they also pointed out that Westminster should at least be applauded for understanding that there needs to be some change around there. There needs to be something to drive uh, footfall after the pandemic. Um, the issue is that the mound is absolutely not the answer, by the sounds of it. Um, so uh, Saunders said that um, the uh, the mound is basically uh, they should be using what they've already got. Um, they've got the marble arch itself. <laughs> uh, they're, you know, kind of iconic uh, sort of uh, part of sort of London's architecture, really. It used to stand in front of Buckingham Palace. It's been moved there and has since become kind of pretty isolated. And it's actually pretty difficult to access the Marble Arch. And um, uh, yeah, James Saunders suggested that um, perhaps, you know, they could have uh, enhanced their existing assets, uh, made it more accessible and then maybe use the area around there as an event space, um, which Adam Scott also talked about. He mentioned that, um, of all people, he mentioned that Extinction Rebellion had proven that the area around Marble Arch could be a fantastic event space um, if it was made a bit more accessible. They've had some incredible rallies with kind of people like Massive Attack playing there and sort of rallies slash events 
Um, and that's the sort of thing that he suggested might help bring people back to the area, um, was something a bit more kind of participatory, um, programmatic, as opposed to just building a giant structure that you can then pay to walk on. Um, this is also, um, I suppose, exacerbated by the fact that architectural drawings of the mound didn't seem to take into account that, um, you know, trees would come into bloom in Hyde Park. So when you get to the top, your supposedly fantastic views are ruined by all the leaves on the trees, where the architectural drawings just had kind of winter sort of bare branches. So you could see everything. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit of a shame. Uh, how it's all gone but it was very interesting speaking to the two of them uh, mm. two people who actually knew what they were talking about rather than um i suppose the sort of me. the moaning <laughs> as well exactly the likes of me and you jess just kind of moaning about it endlessly week on week and finally we've got some experts to tell us what's actually gone wrong rather I than just um you know we don't like it i think that point about participatory if that if i've said that right um public realm is really important isn't it because i think when I when I think of really good public realm in London, you know, you automatically turn to King's Cross, don't you? And um, what Argent have done around there. And I think of the the sort of water water shooting up and the fact that you you know you sit along the canal there and there's always either a big screen showing. Um, you know, I've gone there to watch the tennis before with people, or there's always something there that you can get in, involved with and not just um, you know it's not sort of a passive use of it and you know you, the kids playing in the in the water shoots and and that sort of thing it just it does bring life to an area which is what public realm is meant to meant to be isn't it and yeah unfortunately the mound is just horrible 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 yeah it's yeah, interesting you say that marble arch on top of the mound and solve a couple of problems in in one go because you improve Can you can you go up, Mar can you go into the marble arch? Are there steps inside I it? I don't think that you're allowed to walk through it, actually. I think there's a kind of arcane law that says, I can't remember who, but there's only a few people who are allowed to walk through the middle of it. Maybe that's out of date now, but I I, I, I don't know. But it's interesting that you talk about the, the King's Cross point because um, they both actually referenced Argent's work at King's Cross as well. And... Um, the overriding message really was that public realm is not and and also public attractions and sort of you know um, uh, interventions like this tend to be things that um, facilitate uh, other less permanent stuff like in King's Cross so they built an area that can actually facilitate um, outdoor film screens that can is somewhere that people just kind of want to be on a permanent basis um, and the mound is absolutely not fulfilling that. It is sort of trying to do, I, I, it doesn't seem to know what it wants to be. Um, it's not got the programmatic side and yet it's also not got the kind of monumental um, sort of um, credentials either because it doesn't seem to work in that way. Hmm. Anyway, enough about the mounds. We promise listeners this will be the last time we talk about Marble Arch Mound on EG Light Sunday morning. Probably. Can, can, yeah, I was going to say, can we promise <laughs> that? We're going to have a field day when it gets pulled down, aren't we? <laughs> uh, what else has been keeping Property's Finest news team busy this week? 
Well, I think, you know, it, it's August, um, so it's often quiet, but, and, you know, there are noticeably fewer people around, many more people in Cornwall or Portugal, I think, <laughs> are the, the two hotspots for, for real estate. But there, you know, there is plenty, plenty going on. Um, you know, um, we've had um, this week a little, little late for the digital edition, but the um, Alison Levitt has finally delivered her, um, independent um review um for the for the ricks we haven't seen it yet it's 400 pages and she's given it to to them and said have a careful read of this Mm. and think about it before you start talking about it um but we're obviously on the hunt hunt for it so hopefully we'll be able to give people some some insights into into what that says she was very um she she did make the point that there was she had a lot of passionate responses um, so it um, certainly makes me think that there might be some some explosive stuff in there. I certainly hope so. Um, uh, and um, you know, there's been quite a few deals deals going on. Lots of um, sort of JVs and um, investment going into um, sort of the operational real estate. So whether that's um, built to rent, you know, we saw um, last week or a couple of weeks ago the investment in by Blackstone into um, film studios. Um, uh, and uh, then we've seen um, the uh, irresistible rise of Cushman's big, uh, big John. Uh, so um, John Forrester, who um, towards the end of last week, we heard um, that he had been um, appointed to take over from Brett White at, at Cushman and Wakefield. And, and that's been a long time coming for, for John. He <laughs> stood by well, what was DTZ um, that became uh, that you know um, became part of uh, Cushman and Wakefield for a long, long time, and you know he uh, he is a a big man, a big personality, and um, will no doubt be a big big hit at the top of uh, the top of that that business. And he had loads and loads uh, going on. We also had the um, sort of outcome of the. Uh, rent arrears um, consultation that's got some really interesting readings in it and I um, recommend that everyone goes and have a has a read of um, Tim's little look into into that there's lots of um, interesting figures one from um, while the tenants and the landlords obviously don't line up in the mm. in the report there is quite a fun um, calculation with the tenants saying hey we owe, we only we only owe this month much and then the landlords claiming they're owed a hell of a lot more <laughs> more than that so you can see how how just how unstable and mm. um out of touch that sort of relationship between those two has has been made as a as a sort of outcome of the of the moratorium so not quite august and nope. i know we've still got two weeks to go but um yeah i don't think i think it will be quieter but um a lot of stuff being lined up to make September a really, really busy, um, busy start back after the, the holidays. Well, I know you're both delighted to know there has been enough stuff for me to put together a quiz of the week. So um, are you ready to go head to head once again? No. Alex is, is desperately in need of a win. He needs he needs a boost. Come on then. <laughs> uh, Alex, I'll let you choose. Would you like the odd or the even numbers? I'll take the odd numbers, please, Jess. You will take the odd numbers. Okay. Which company, once seen as the poster child for microflats, is to be wound up two years after administrators took control? This is oh. in... Oh. Is it... <laughs> it's Alex's question, yes. He's taken he the odd He said numbers. even. He said odd. He said... 
Oh. You said oh, numbers, didn't you? God, I can't remember the bloody name. Um, Give me the answer. Oh, is it like inspired or something? I think we'll give him the point. It's inspired developments. Inspired um, developments. I've even right. written. I've written the odd story about them as well. <laughs> just uh, one. Okay, Sam. Which company is closing on a forty-two million pound deal to buy Curtain House, a Grade Two listed former Victorian warehouse turned office building? Well, this is a story by Mr. Alex Daniel. It is. It is. It's slightly unfortunate for him that he chose the odd numbers. But luckily, I read all of his stories, <laughs> so I know that it is. As as Alex would describe them, the suits at Aviva. <laughs> it is indeed. One one. Okay. Alex, your second question. Blank FC taps mixed use scheme for stadium upgrade. Blank FC taps mixed use scheme for stadium upgrade. Is what's the blank in the headline? Um 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 ooh, is it can I The blank is two it's not words. Everton. It's not oh, Everton. It's not Everton. The blank is two words. It's Premier, um, 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 oh, I know it. I know it. It's Leicester. Leicester. It is. It is. It's Leicester City FC. 2-1 to Alex. He's so delighted. Uh, Sam, the blank rise of Cushman's Big John. And I, <laughs> I, I suspect you're going you're gonna to get this one, having already said this sentence once in, in this podcast. The irresistible. Correct. 2-2. Two, what a performance so far. Okay, oh. Alex. Uh, six new escape rooms have been announced for Liverpool One. This is, of course, uh, the diary question. One of which is based on a popular TV drama. But mm. which TV drama? I know this. It's Peaky Blinders. It is Peaky Blinders. My Three, two. West Midlands. <laughs> Three, Ooh. two. Sam, you need this to uh, take it into the tiebreak. I wouldn't have so, got that one, so I'm ooh. a bit worried now. Okay, so this is another diary question. This year's property version of the Premier League table arrived in Diary's inbox, as it does at this uh, time of year. And this time it's based on house price growth around each stadium in the last year. Which team wins the Premier League on that basis? Oh, no. Was <laughs> it... I'm, I, this popped into my inbox too and because it, it was football I obviously immediately just forwarded it to you without reading it I think that's, it might that's be, where you went wrong you see yeah yeah that's my downfall is it Arsenal it isn't Arsenal they finished bottom it was bad news bad news for Arsenal uh, I wish people could see this podcast because Alex is looking so smug and happy so yeah, a 3-2 triumph does Alex Alex do you know the answer no, I don't. <laughs> uh, the the actual answer would be Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds United, oh, which wow. I think we would all like to see uh, in real life. Marcelo Bielsa celebrating on his bucket, uh, winning the Premier League. But uh, on property prices alone, uh, Leeds Leeds came out top. So yeah, fantastic. Um, didn't need the tiebreak, right? Um, so that's my final EG Light Sunday morning for a couple of weeks. I'm off for the rest of the month. I suspect uh, you may well have more news about Rick's next week but who knows who will be here to discuss it uh thank you to you both and uh you people at home have been listening to eg like sunday morning i'm not gonna do it i'm just gonna hum it in my head <laughs> disappointing <laughs>